Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the NY Patriot Show. On this episode, I am very excited and very happy to have this returning guest. He's been on the NY Patriot Show and he's been on the Occult Rejects. Um, I have had him on before for Skinwalker Ranch, I think both times. And I, I do, and I've said this before, I do think that um, if you go check out his stuff, um, not knocking the show, but I do think he has some really amazing footage to check out on the history uh History it got me fucked up from the things we were talking hey, about. Hey, there before. too, man. Yeah, yeah that's right. History, yeah, we'll I'm get into History Channel now too. So <laughs> yeah, go to History Channel. Look up Beyond Skinwalker episode two. Beyond Skinwalker Ranch. It's at Mount Wilson Ranch. But yeah, yeah, they let me film all the behind the scenes over on my YouTube channel, Carl Crusher. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And his link is in the bottom. And like I said before, he has some amazing stuff. There is some stuff on there that I was just like, yo, I wish this made it on like TV. So definitely, if you're into the paranormal, high strangeness, Skinwalker Ranch, go check out his channel. Like I said before, in my opinion, there's some stuff on there that was better than what they showed on TV. Uh, he definitely did his work, and he's got a ton of toys and equipment that really makes things interesting. So <laughs> enough about gassing his head up. Uh, Call the Crusher. Um, like, again, I couldn't be happier to have you on and have a discussion. Let everybody know who you are that may not know who you are. Right? Yeah, I'm. Uh, my real name is Carl Andresen. I use the Carl Crusher handle because no one can spell my real last name or remember how to spell it or Don't say it right or anything. So it's also kind of like, you know, a pro wrestler, like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It's like super easy to remember you know carl crusher yeah. and that was my superhero persona when i was a kid drawing comic books of myself and things and so i just thought what the heck i'll go with it but yeah i've uh, been doing youtube and being like a documentary filmmaker started out as a vlogger uh clear back in 2009 and it just turned into over the last several years i went through a divorce and decided I was really going to do what I was passionate about and explore these places that I was surrounded by from my whole childhood. Like Caleb Bench at Skinwalker Ranch, he grew up just up the road, like a half hour away from where I did. And we both uh, grew up with stories about skinwalkers just as much as, you know, when we would go out camping in the woods as kids around the campfire, it was just as much about Bigfoot and skinwalkers as anything else. It was all part of the conversation. So it was interesting that skinwalkers is more of a recent thing for the rest of the world. It seems like since the books have come out in the last few years or so, but mm -hmm. I kind of grew up with this weird uh, folklore and oral traditions around the campfire uh, and was always curious about it. So I decided that I was going to pursue it as a, as a filmmaker Awesome. full-time working for myself because I'm surrounded by it. There's ancient petroglyphs that go back uh, that are, you know, some of them in Nevada are older than the pyramids of Egypt. And there's ancient petroglyphs all over, all the way to the Grand Canyon, all the way up to Skinwalker Ranch and beyond all over the place. And I just became fascinated with it, going out and exploring these locations. And over time, uh, what happened was, uh, over the course of a few years, I think I've become probably the most heavily documented person that's gone out and actually filmed these sites and oh, yeah. photographed them and cataloged them and figured out where they all are um, and how they all connect. And that's led to relationships with 
Native American tribes uh, and elders and people that are part of a heritage of a trade system and mapping system that goes back uh, thousands of years that now I'm helping work with and also relationships with all the team up at Skinwalker Ranch directly, including Brandon Fugel himself and uh, working with archaeologists and That's wild. and also. So now, now I'm working specifically at targeted locations like Mount Wilson Ranch that are directly lo- uh, connected to Skinwalker Ranch. I go work up and around Skinwalker Ranch and all the way into New Mexico, Arizona, all across Utah, Nevada, this whole area. Uh, trying to piece together all the mysteries of the unknown and see how it's connected from the UFO phenomena to orbs, balls of light, paranormal phenomena, shadow figures, yeah. all the way to like poltergeist type encounters and the hitchhiker effect that follows your home and how to deal with that through your own personal means of meditation and um, working with your own mindfulness and consciousness work in order mm. to understand it all and how to approach it. So that's the whole big spectrum of what I've been doing and how my whole life has developed, where my career, my passion, kind of my spiritual life, and my whole connection with reality are all kind of now doing all the same thing on the same path. And it's been quite a journey. Yeah, I mean, you do have, ton, like you even said before, you find the most documented footage. I mean, you have tons and hours and hours and hours of stuff i mean it's funny you mentioned petroglyphs and yesterday i was recording a show for the occult rejects and my co-host went back to the episode that i had you on with and actually pulled off the petroglyphs glyphs that you showed as like you know a symbolism for other things you know they were trying to show how like maybe petroglyphs were trying to tell us this it's funny like where we some my co-host used your footage to pull petroglyphs off of it's awesome. So, yeah, I was like, I was looking, I was like, isn't that called the Crusher? She's yeah. like, yeah, it was the show that he did with him. I was like, yo, that's great. I was like, somehow his footage made it into my stuff anyway. It's really cool. I, it's been <laughs> such an amazing opportunity because now I have this chance uh, to uh, maybe, I don't know, I, and no credit to my own, but my Native American friends that have come forward have basically told me that it's time to start working with the white man. And that they have seen like the videos that I do and my approach to it and how I'm careful and how I leave offerings at sites and how I'm respectful to the culture. I'm not afraid to be wrong. Like if I say something wrong and they correct me and they're like, that's not a skinwalker, that's a yebache or whatever. I, I don't get my feelings all hurt or offended by that. Yeah, I, you know? I, I want to know. Right. I actually am on a, I want to know the truth, right? They've known I'm, about skinwalkers for a hundred years. You've known it for two. You know everything, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and you run into like parts of this that are, you know, have to do with dark elements of the history and, and slave trading and things like that that are really hard to deal with. And so I have some difficult conversations along the way, but I think I've just developed this trust where, um, yeah, I've been able to validate what I'm doing as I go. So instead of going out and just being some yoky white guy making guesses, talking about ancient aliens in front of these petroglyphs, people might think that on the surface and I still get criticized for that. Like people will come forward and be like, Hey, you don't, what, what right do you have or whatever? But I'm telling you everything that I'm saying right now. And that I've been saying at least over the last year is things that I have been taught from my mentors. And those are archeologists and native Americans from all of the tribes up around in this region that 
have kind of taken me under their wing and are telling me what all of this is about. And so I'm very mm. carefully, you know, I'll take like the ancient aliens topic in order to catch all those viewers to come and watch. So I might title a video like ancient alien artifacts discovered or something like that. And so everybody's like, holy crap. And they go watch. But by the time they get to the end of that 30 to 40 minute video, they've got a whole education about what these petroglyphs are really about and what they symbolized and meant at this really deep level to the native Americans and the indigenous people for thousands of years. And they're, they're not just some graffiti that some kids did a long time ago when they were bored, but they're part of this vast system that connects to ourselves and our consciousness, our connection with the universe and the stars. There's this whole modern movement where people talk about using meditation for manifestation and, mm -hmm. and how you manifest as a collective consciousness with reality and think about how these indigenous people were doing that with their entire environment on a global scale from their feet in the dirt to the wildlife around them to the stars in the sky at a level we can't even fathom. You're right. Like it's so profound to me that to call it just like graffiti or whatever and dismiss it is crazy. <laughs> what I know from what I know now. So to me, I'm just kind of carefully helping people realize what, what this is all about and how it can affect them. Cause most people wake up in the morning and their alarm goes off. They're staring at their black mirror at their phone, <laughs> pumping, you know, crap into their face. And then they go right to a job and they sit in a box or they do something that they hate all day. And they're pumped with these artificial signals and everything. And it's like, we call it a vacation and you have to schedule it all out to even go up and try to put your feet in the water and, and ground yourself, you know, but these native American people and indigenous people were, this was their way of life and their connection to that and how it affects your consciousness and your abilities to do things. Um, a lot of us are just blind and sleepwalking right now. And if we return to that and got back in touch with nature and some of these lessons that have been lost, I think our whole evolution as a humanity would take a leap forward in a good way. You know, you, you mentioned it before, like, you know, people couldn't even fathom that. And it's like, uh, sometimes I'll even think I couldn't even fathom the fact of like, if my iPhone just disappeared, but if that yeah. was to happen, could we possibly get to where things are that we're like, I could never imagine getting there. Yeah. Like, could it be as simple as that phone <laughs> or things like that? Like what you're saying, that this whole getting up, going to work, being put in the box. Is, yeah. it, is it all that that actually keeps us from actually, you know, achieving those things that we find impossible? Look at yeah. how like, ice, like the Iceman Hoff, he's broken all these world records for being able to basically in his underwear, jump into polar waters and swim to Antarctica and back or whatever. He's broken all these world records and he started this whole revolution, this health movement where people are doing cold plunges for mental health therapy and for physical therapy. So they're taking these ice baths and every morning getting up and plunging for like 10, 20 minutes in these ice baths and it totally resets your central nervous system and you don't freeze to death and you don't die. And now people are realizing that physically you can go out and walk around in the snow and swim in the, in the frozen lakes and things like that. And they're fine and they can do it for like an, for hours and they're fine. That's and funny. this, and 
like all the people that died on the Titanic, if they would have known this, probably would have survived, right? They would have just gone into their meditation and breathing and waited for people on boats to come pick them up. Iceman Hoff probably would have enjoyed it floating out there by the iceberg, right? Like it's crazy to think about indigenous people living out there in the caves and the temperature dropping at night and they don't have a campfire or anything and they're just connected with reality. It's like we've totally, we're so fragile. We're so powder puffed now. Like we think we're all, we're all cool with our technology and everything, but we've lost touch with who the, we really are spirit, as, as humans yeah. in a big way. I really think we have. Yeah, you, you really, I mean, the, the first nine, ten minutes, I mean, you, you said a whole lot, and you really nailed it, Carl, with a lot that you said. Wow. <laughs> that was an introduction, if I ever seen one. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> we're going for it, right? Yeah, we yeah. We've been talking before the show, so we're just keep going. <laughs> yeah, man, that was, no, I mean, you really said some great stuff. I, I do, I, you know, and I think I've even seen you do this. You mentioned it before. I'm almost positive I've even seen you correct yourself or stuff in posts. From stuff that you have learned from the Native Americans in the area. I'm almost positive I've seen you post something and saying, this isn't, this is something different. You know, I yeah. spoke to the people and I was like, damn, man. I was like, okay. So, like, that's, when you were saying that before, I do think there is extreme value in being able to talk to these people and get their stories. Because, you know, some people may look at them as, like, silly tales and myths. And it's like, you know, for all you know, that's a very deep deep story that they just personified you yeah. know i mean it could be you know i really do think it's important to actually be able to talk to these people find out what their stories have been i i've even spoken to people that have kind of like been big into native american stuff and stuff over at skinwalker and they will even say you know well going by the tribes and like what they say what you see on tv isn't really necessarily correct and you know i think it's good that you you're kind of correcting that or making sure that you go along with like, you know, what the yeah. story is, you know, uh, it's been refreshing and really validating the latest episode that just came out two days ago on the history channel of the secret of skinwalker ranch. They had a group come in and do a drum circle. And they told the whole story of that energetic connection between the tribal music and their rituals and the stone spiral that's up on the Mesa at skinwalker ranch. The entire episode was devoted to it and to me that was a huge step because up until now these types of topics and covering it everybody is like worried that the tribes are going to come crashing down on you and tell you to stop or they're going to uh, say that you're culturally appropriating them but now there's this open relationship that's forming where Brandon Fugel and the team and some of what I've done and Chris Bartell uh, networking these different members of the tribes and the community uh, around the phenomena and what's really going on. You, you realize, you know, there is what happens and what comes out on the TV show, but there's this deeper connection going on underneath the surface of it uh, that is connected to the phenomena that explains a lot of this. And I'll, it is coming out. The last episode was a huge uh, refreshing episode to me because it was completely focused on it. Um, just like when they had the rabbi come like in season two. Oh, or three. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. They made a stone circle and the rabbi, they did played music and did like chanting. And then they had a 
you know, like a gravitational or energy energy anomaly where the temperature inverted and everything, all that's connected to the anomaly and the UFOs they see in the sky and all kinds of that stuff. Um, and so now they finally come back and authentic and genuine to the land. It's not necessarily authentic to have a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi come and do a ceremony on, you know, Navajo Shoshone yeah. land. It's not, yeah, it that wasn't a be, common thing happening. The quantum entanglement might be more potent to do a Native American <laughs> ritual, right? Instead of a Jewish ritual, I'm just saying. Yeah. But it's like with the area historically. So they did that and they had, you know, the stone circle would glow like when they were doing it. And, and you have to think that for... You know what's the funny? TV. When they showed that on TV, I really actually thought that was like some of the most important, impressive stuff for people to pay attention to, actually. Yeah. And I felt like that really wasn't like, I was just like, eh, they're kind of like, eh, I don't know. I don't think no, a lot they, of people who watched it really were, took that. If they really went for it as a whole tribe. Imagine a whole village or a whole tribe there, and they're going around a big bonfire or a big that big stone circle in a clockwise manner, and they're doing it in alignment with the stars. And they'll do it without food or water as shaman, and they'll go for days and days and days, five, six days straight, right? Like the and the stuff that would happen and that would sh- the stories are everything from shape shifting into animals to uh, they called them silver feathers in the sky, like flying saucers would appear, uh, the ant people coming out of the ground and communicating with them, all kinds of stuff, you know. All of the stories are right in there with the Native American rituals that have to do with this kind of stuff. Um, and so mm. it's interesting. You know, now we have right on the History Channel them showing that and doing it right there. And it's on Skinwalker Ranch. And you've got Travis Taylor there who's like from the Pentagon, all you know, like a mole or something. I don't know. <laughs> But it's like I the don't whole know. thing. It, it, it makes you think there's something going on, you know. To the disclosure, there's more to it than mm. they're telling us, you know. Oh, uh, oh. The one thing I was gonna say, I think I remembered what I was saying. There was a post that you made. I think it was like the same picture that myself and probably twenty other people who have covered Skinwalker Ranch. I think it's even on the show. Tell you the truth, I might be wrong. There was like pictures of like these Indians that you constantly see. It's like a, a gray, oh, yeah. and I think you post and you're like, these actually aren't Skinwalkers. That like that's not that's not myself. even the tribe yeah. or something. You were saying that's like this is actually wrong. Yeah, and so I was they, like, yeah, fuck, I, I use that too. At the headquarters at Skinwalker Ranch in the background, they have a picture there, and they show it a lot on YouTube videos and everything. And if you search, do an image search on Google uh, for Skinwalker, it's a lot of pictures, black and white photos of these Navajo, and they're dressed, and they have, like, sticks and twigs and grass and plant, and they have masks on their faces and body paint on, and they're kind of standing like an animal. And they're like skinwalkers, but those are actually not skinwalkers. Those, those are gangsta are the, pics, though. Those are so cool. <laughs> those were the, the Yebache. They were like uh, depictions of the, the, the demiurges of Mother Nature itself. Like, so they represented the wind or the sky or the earth, and they were the embodiment of the gods. And so they would come out and do a celebration. Uh, to be an embodiment of like mother nature uh, loving and dancing with the tribe. And it was always a positive thing, like a positive manifestation thing. 
but the whole idea of uh, skinwalkers and shapeshifters and that, um, that also isn't always a bad thing either. Most of the stories that I've heard from uh, Navajo friends of mine that have said they've seen their grandpa shapeshift and things, they're all like positive or kind of like cool stories where it's like they're out hunting and grandpa goes up the trail, basically changes into a, a falcon and flies up and sees where the herd of deer is and then comes back and then they go hunt and catch an animal or whatever. And so there's like cool stories like that. But the idea of it coming into being a curse, like there's this sort of a, uh, a heckler, a hitchhiker entity, that a guardian of the land that torments people and, and unravels their life almost like a curse upon the land. Uh, that all happened uh, in, as a result of a guy named Rubido and then the Brigham Young and the Mormon Church when they moved into Utah and it, a whole wave, decades of human trafficking, child trafficking, and slave trading started going on that went all the way from the Navajo in New Mexico all the way up into Salt Lake City and Utah and right around Skinwalker Ranch. So this idea that the Navajo put a curse upon the land up there, uh, that's all true based around um, events that happened okay. where kids were kidnapped down in New Mexico watching their family getting murdered as they're dragged away on horses that were taken up, that lived at Skinwalker Ranch and up the creek that are buried right up at the head of the stream up there. And the stories of like the Navajo cursing that land because those kids were taken and stuff is all part of the story that's real. And uh, a lot of people don't know that because they don't want to talk about the slave trading and all that stuff that happened because it was a really ugly time in, in history when that was going on. But all of that was, yeah, when the white people and the Mormons moved in. I was raised Mormon and left that church, so I can talk no, about No, no, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of bad stuff was going on back then that nobody wants to really talk about. But I don't care. Mm. The truth is the truth. And if people want to, oh, I mean, you know, glamorize it and be like, there's a curse on the land, I mean, they should know why, I think. So, I mean, it's, I uh, think it's impressive you're even acknowledging it. <laughs> it's a it's fascinating stuff i think not acknowledging it is more hurtful it's almost like Look. let's just pretend like you guys don't exist and this didn't happen when i i think it's a a big part of it and they have a lot to say you know yeah they, <laughs> yeah they do uh you know i think you kind of you said something before even about like um you know uh being able to shapeshift and stuff like that and like how there's like a stigma sometimes i think some of these stories or these weirdness or high strangeness tales that we hear. Sometimes I don't think they're actually always meant to be as something bad or nefarious. Sometimes I just think as, as humans, and I do this myself, if I don't understand something, sometimes I will fear it. Yeah. 100%. And sometimes just misunderstanding of things just create it, the fear and turn it bad. Yeah. So most and of the And then you time, don't like, never look at it. You'll never like see you, it for what it is. Even when I go to petroglyph sites, most of them, the petroglyphs have been like destroyed. Part of them have been broken off or ruined or removed. And a lot of it, when you talk to the locals, is because, again, there was a time frame where, uh, you know, like religious groups or early Christians moved in the area and they saw those carvings of figures with horns and things on their head with spirals. 
and they immediately label it all as evil or demonic or savage or something or some sort of a curse thing. And so they want to go up and break the curse. And so they deface and destroy all this stuff, having no idea what those figures and places actually represent and that they're positive things in relationship to the environment and mother nature and the universe and everything. And it's the same. Yeah. That whole idea of like a culture doing shape shifting, that would be considered like voodoo or witchcraft and, or some kind of a demonic thing. But like when you actually meet the people and talk to them, they're the nicest Nicest, coolest people, most genuine, real, connected, down-to-earth folk you're ever going to meet in your life. And you just realize, wow, they're just, they're like so enmeshed with the fabric of the matrix. They're like, it's like, instead of looking at them like some Native American primitive guy, they're more like closer to to Neo, the chosen one, (laughs) who can like go through the walls, the fabric of reality and bend the rules, man. Like we're missing the point here. We're missing a connection somewhere. Yeah. Totally missing the mark. Yeah. I was even going to say, even with shape shifting, I love the way that you put it, you know, let's say turning into an Eagle or Falcon and looking for the food. Like for all, you know, that could be a tale of someone being able to astral travel and it's just been right. Personified into an Eagle. (laughs) Like, you know, and, and if and if you if you looked at that as like, oh God, that's horrible. Like, you're missing out on like this huge aspect of life that's a possibility. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I mean that's happened when I've I've trained a lot using remote viewing and doing the uh, Monroe Institute Gateway Protocol and method. Yo, that shit I believe works. Versions of that, and there's times where when I was learning it, where I like let my dog. Uh, in the room and she would like get up on the bed where I was doing the meditation and I would have these visions like where I was like running through the field chasing butterflies and stuff and I was like what am, what am I doing and I was like all happy and then I'd realize I'm, I'm like tapping into my dog's dreams or something down on the bed at my feet and I'm like sharing her dream like I'm her running through the, through the grass and, and weird stuff and it's like cool that's like fun experiences and you learn from those but uh, like imagine Maybe there's something to that, to that shape-shifting. Like, imagine sitting on the hill, you're going hunting, you're almost praying and connecting with the land, you know, you are uh, you see an eagle flying over, and so you remote view into wondering what that eagle could see and wishing you could see what that eagle sees, quantum entangle your consciousness with it, and pretty soon you're having this vision of the valley and a sense of, telepathically of where the herd of deer are and then you go make a hunt you know that's a lot of what we're doing up at mount wilson ranch with the uh native american friends of mine and with jeff and all of that is trying to figure out all these ancient indigenous land markers and stones that are stacked up around and stone circles and artifacts everywhere trying to figure out what they were doing there because like way before this talk of there being UFO, a UFO buried under the meadow, there's been indigenous people there clear back into the, like the ice age. And so trying to figure all that out is oh, like wow. levels and levels of a puzzle, you know? You know, I've even thought about like, um, you know, just even like when you see how like the tribes used to move and I mean, they, they obviously like knew, like they, they knew how to conduct themselves in order to stay alive. And some people are just like, oh, you know how they had to have been like, tapped into something they couldn't have been stupid and like i have thought like you know i'm not trying to take this out there and make it seem like that maybe astral travel was something normal but 
you know, if you count that thought in, you could see how these people understood where to go and how to move around. Yeah, and it could explain also why the artifacts and the petroglyphs are uh, such across across such vast differences still connected with the same symbolism to a point to where it doesn't make any sense at all that they were communicating by boat or traveling. They, uh, you would be like, how did they do this if they didn't have phones? Like, how is it that in Australia and South Africa and then in Southern Utah, you've got the same symbols, the same figures. And so you say, okay, well, they were looking up at the sky and that's the number one thing everybody jumps to is they say, well, there's these plasma events and solar events and things happening in the sky that everyone was seeing. And so they were carving that on the wall. And that's like, that's fine. I understand that explains some of it. All of the sites have those uh, alignments to the stars, to the North Star, to the Big Dipper. And they all have to do with the different equinoxes and everything when the sun comes up. It's pretty complex how some of these locations were designed almost to where when the light would come through the rocks it makes almost like a laser pointer that tells a story across the art didn't like, you actually i could be wrong but didn't you actually film something like that like I, i'm almost positive you've shown that on your own channel haven't you yeah we went to a site with like chris bartell and brent stone and chris lado from lado files and i took them to a spot where it actually does that uh, where the light comes through the cliffside tells a whole story. But that's the whole thing is everybody wants to say, well, okay, so it's just like pla plasma figures in the sky, you know. But then how come the the whole thing tells a story with a village and, and animals and the river along with the figures and the portal symbols and all of it happening down on the ground together like an entire uh comic book almost on the rocks you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, legit. yeah. And, and like and then you talk to the actual people who are related to the stories in the land and that heritage who are related directly by blood to the ones who would have put it there and you study the stories you read the books you understand the folklore and the, the this concept of it just being plasma figures in the sky is pretty thin uh, it's way more steeped in it being real contact things coming out of portals, coming down from the sky, coming out of the ground, like almost they're struggling to describe something coming from another dimension, you know, and uh, but they do a pretty good job. And then it's almost the, the same figures. It doesn't matter if it's like the same plethora of the Norse gods in the Viking culture or you've got the zeus and the pantheon down in that area or you've got the egyptian gods or wherever you come over here even into the desert southwest and all these indigenous tribes and it's like the same family it's like the same deities and the figures yes running around and it makes you wonder like this story of the anunnaki or some sort of a contact moment where things some entities came down or came through and started getting involved with mankind it's all right there and, uh, you know, as much as people want to scoff at it like it's science fiction, it's all right in the history of the indigenous people and the Native American stories, too. It's all right there. No, I, I honestly, uh, I've always said that. I, I think that 
Or, you know, like sometimes people do have like, uh, you know, there's an idea of that, like, you know, with magic or I guess even with astral travel, just meditation, you know, maybe tapping into like a uh, group consciousness thought. I've even yeah. thought like, is, is that part of like how you see the same things? Like when you said we had no internet, I doubt they were using birds yet probably to send yeah. messages across. Like, or the, I doubt they were making it. You know, how yeah. did they, they, I don't believe people were really, or unless the land was locked, you know, that's a whole other rabbit hole. But, uh, you know, I don't think those people were corresponding, but yet they were having the same images, doing the same artwork. There's something yeah. up with that. The, uh, the way the story is that I understand it and how all of this works is that the Native American people and that going back thousands of years in different variations were finding places just based on their natural intuition and their own migration, the way a homing pigeon or any kind of an animal would, would follow a migration of the electromagnetic field of the earth. We like to call them ley lines now, yes. you know, but you, you just naturally spiritually feel like you're drawn to certain places like they're special, you know, and we don't know why, <laughs> but then, but we do know why now there's actual geological factors and, interconnected cosmic factors that interplay, but they are special places where the rules of reality are a little different. And so imagine that these people for thousands of years were drawn to these locations and then they would um, interface with their, with those locations by building these stone circles or like a stone hinge uh, or stacking up the rocks or building spires and tapping into it almost like, in the same way that you would use a circuit board to try and tap into the electromagnetic field, almost like putting up antenna. So you've got these weird hot rocks or almost magnetic rocks that are stacked in these stone circles and medicine wheels or prayer wheels. A lot of times they look like a wagon wheel laid on its side, but they're all made of stone and they get bigger and bigger. And if there's a whole empire around it, then they start building pyramids and spires and, building entire cities in order to do this, right? Mm. Um, but you get more remote where the resources are slim and people are just like hunting rabbits and stuff and they're just stacking rocks and things and sitting up on the mountain and doing it on the mountaintop. But you're right, it's the same idea. They're going to these electromagnetic or geomagnetic hotspots, building stone circles, doing rituals around them in groups and then having these collective consciousness experiences, or at least the shaman is, uh, whether they're enhancing it with peyote or whatever they're doing, but it's like they're piercing the veil, basically, and able to communicate. Like, imagine the shaman at Mount Wilson is able to telepathically communicate and transfer and understand knowledge and wisdom all the way to Skinwalker Ranch, all the way down like a network all the way down to Teotihuacan or connect and, and get messages all the way from Montezuma's priests down in Mexico. And that could be connected all the way to the pyramids in Egypt or Gobekli Tepe. And there could have been these moments where they would have ceremonies where it was like they were able to communicate. And so there's these universal glyphs and patterns and knowledge and and stone circles and Stonehenge and pyramids all over the globe that are evidence of that time period when the whole world was 
sort of interconnected in their own way and all and all doing this because they understood reality from a different angle than we do now. You know, we 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 approach physics from a totally different oh, angle. Oh, yes, they, yes. They were more so. like Nikola Tesla in a weird, more magical, spiritual sense, going right through their consciousness, going inward first, you know. And we're just like out digging in the rocks trying to do it with computers, you know. So we've got it all backwards. But yeah, it, you're right. It. I think that it was almost like a like a type of telepathic Wi-Fi that they had interfaced with uh, through the electromagnetic field of the earth and through their ceremonies and rituals in these locations. And when you go there yourself, even now, and sit down and connect with this, you get glimpses of that energy still existing in some of these places. And that's part of what the interesting research is that we're doing right now. That's wild. Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, we're already like a half hour in. I did want to touch on uh, Wilson Ranch kind of a little bit more. So I know that is something that you have been doing um, recently. And we're talking about the ley lines and stuff. This this was a question I was actually going to ask. Um, I guess going into Wilson Ranch, do you think that that do you think that place or that place and Skinwalker Ranch do they might fall on a ley line together or something, or do you think there's like something like that out there? I know they do. In fact, uh, Roger Colty of the Reindigenizing Minds Project that I'm working directly with, I have a call with him this afternoon. He has an entire mapping system that he's inherited from his great grandfather, who was the like the leader of the Klatsop tribe of the Pacific Northwest. And all of these locations from Skinwalker Ranch to Mount Wilson Ranch are connected by an an ancient lost trade route and migrational route that existed all the way down into Mexico and Montezuma's time and all that. And, and so it is a, an interconnected chain and it falls right over the ley lines and what's fascinating is when you go to these spots and you you're like, okay, I'm gonna go there. Where where is the where is the biggest hot spot of the ley line and where does it converge and where does all this point? And then you go, oh, that's right where Area 51 is. Uh oh, that's right where uh this other base is. Now all of these, the main spots are what we would call X points where those ley lines cross are all underground secret like department of energy military bases and then all around that you've got like skinwalker ranch as up there by dugway airfield and you've got mount wilson ranch is right by um area 51 and yeah same same weird story you know on the edge of it and i wanted to ask if you think maybe this has anything to do with it too because this is something that i noticed was a, a commonality I didn't think much. It's so weird how, like, you can have, like, a conversation with somebody and, like, it matches. Like, I was talking, texting with somebody earlier, a listener, and mentioned that I was uh, having you on. And uh, I was talking to them about possibly covering a topic about, like, Elon Musk and, like, stuff, certain things. And um, they did mention that, uh, that oh, like, you know, he has a place in Texas. And, like, they were saying, like, how it's funny how, like, He's using a gas plant to actually power his electric plant. But that was besides the point. There is actually, um, they were saying that the water level there, the water, it's very high because there's like underground rivers going through there. And I have said myself, because they were saying like, I would not doubt that somehow these electric plant, these big power places 
or somehow harnessing underground current of water, possibly as energy. And I was thinking, I know I've seen on, uh, I'm pretty sure they showed it on Skinwalker Ranch, over by, uh, I think over by Wilson, I might be wrong about that, and Blind Frog Ranch. Haven't you all hit water underground? Yeah, yeah, that's one of the whole connected things is it, from the Uinta Basin all the way down into Nevada, the whole region used to be part of what was prehistorically called Bonneville Lake. I mean, it wasn't called that. That's what we call it now is Bonneville, Lake Bonneville, which it really wasn't a lake. It was a giant fjord or almost an, uh, one of the bigger than the Great Lakes uh, that covered the whole region. So the water level would have been clear up by Skinwalker Ranch. I mean, there's there's fossilized sea turtles in the mountains up above Skinwalker Ranch. And there's, you can, uh, so imagine there was like a, a swelling. This is all part of, you know, Graham Hancock has this whole theory that there was like a meteorite impact, right? But I really think it could have just been like a, as the ice caps melted and the gla- the glaciers melted, Lake Bonneville swelled uh, rapidly, maybe one hot summer, and then it suddenly collapsed and this entire basin drained. Imagine like the back of the toilet flushing, right? Yeah, yeah. But imagine it being the size going across the, almost the entire state of Utah, the entire state of Nevada, half of Arizona, all the way down across and into the Gulf of Mexico or off of Gulf of California and like connected all the way to the ocean. So you go hiking down around area 51 out in the salt flats and it's all seashells on the ground all over the place. You go up around Skinwalker Ranch and hike up on the Mesa. There's fossilized coral in the rocks. And so you think, you know, thousands of years ago, what the landscape was like and what that did to the underground systems there. And now all that water is gone. And at the bottom of those dry lake beds is all area 51 Dugway airfield right in the middle of these dry lake beds is all these military bases with underground installations, you know, going down They're using those cavern systems, or maybe it's like a giant geode under there or power, power plant that they've tapped into or something. But, it, it is fascinating. Yeah, I've wondered but if yeah, the running water helps add to something. Because, I mean, you always even hear, like, they say it on ghost yeah. shows. Oh, if you yeah. got running water against certain stone, you can get paranormal effects. So, so that's the thing we're testing up at Mount Wilson that we can do. Uh, one of the phenomena there is the how the the aquifer system works. So the, awesome. the spring runoff this year has been crazy. There was so much snow over the winter. All of that melts <sighs> off of the mountain and comes down right into Craw Creek and right through the middle of Mount Wilson Ranch. And out there in the meadow, we get this pulsing Schumann resonance, a theta wave signal at like 7, 14, and 21. And it's <clears throat> right in that psychoactive... 777. Seven, seven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's right in that psychoactive frequency that affects your, like your pineal gland uh. and your hippocampus and all that. So those abilities like remote viewing, telepathy and all that, like if normally (laughs) you might struggle at home, imagine you go sit at Mount Wilson, ground in the meadow out there, go meditate in the meadow. Suddenly 
your remote viewing goes from 50% accuracy up to like 80 or 90% accurate because you're tapped right into this pure theta wave, this pure Schumann resonance right out of the mountain. And uh, that could also account for different weird dimensional anomalies that we get. Like on the Beyond Skinwalker Ranch episode when the History Channel came there to Mount Wilson, um, they had a professional drone team come and flew. Oh, it's not um, your drone footage then? Oh, yeah. They got they were flying the drone over, and uh-huh. the GPS data got lost, and the drone was completely convinced that it was flying over Cuba and like it was flying into the Bermuda Triangle, even though it was above the mountain in Nevada, like Holy flying sh- over an in, a mine entrance we were looking at. So and that so they have to fly it it back themselves manually because of that. It crashed. Oh, so the drone got lost. That's the shit I worry about with mine. The GPS going, (laughs) dude. The the drone thought it was flying over the ocean, over the Bermuda Triangle, and then it went right into the mountain and hit a tree. Yeah, it just came down and crashed. And it did that several times. So they took it back, repaired it, tried to fly it again, and it crashed almost every time they tried to fly it up there. Oh, that is. Yeah, so there's some weird anomalies. And then, like, you know, you hear stories about, like, like missing 411 or, like, stranger things where there's, like, wrinkles in time or, like, the upside down or something. But I'm telling you, like, Jeff and I have been hiking around Mount Wilson. I've even got it on video, like, right as it's happened, where we've been hiking up a trail and through a part of the forest that we've been walking through dozens of times over the last couple of, like over the last year, even together, Jeff's been hiking around there with his family and kids for like 16 years, you know, and we'll be hiking down this trail talking about stuff. And then there's just like a pair of boots, like hundred year old boots sitting on the trail and, and two pair of pants laying off the trail, like that are just there on the trail. Yo, I swear like, that actually almost sounds like a missing 411 as well. Yeah, Still. it's like, I, I can't remember <laughs> what they call it. It's like an apport or like in paranormal something. It's where like like something manifests out of thin air from the past to the future or like some item is dropped like in front of you or something. Like you hear about it when people are doing yeah. seances, like, oh, yeah, like something will appear on the table, like a hand or weird things like that. But this is like a pair of boots that you can pick up in a pair of pants and take back and like, and right on the trail where we've been down dozens of times that was never there before, we found airplane parts laying on the side of the hill that say they're made in Florida and like, which is weird, close to the Bermuda again. And we find, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like there's a glitch, dude. Like it's a, like everybody makes fun of Travis Taylor on the Skinwalker show because he's like, it's like a portal. There's a portal in there, you know, and it sounds crazy. Like, a oh no, I actually think you that's very, I mean? very feasible. Actually. But when you, when you experience portal. it, it's like there's stuff from a hundred years ago that just spits out on the ground. See, like to me though, up. like a portal, I would take that as what you're saying. It's almost like you know something in the matrix can just spit shit out there for some reason. It may it's not. Like it, it may, it's may like be a broken. <laughs> you know, like the Mandela effect, where it's like reality rewrites itself like underneath you, and then you're like, "What the hell?" And you just have this kind of deja vu about it. It's like that, but it's we're like in between all- two sticks of DDR RAM. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like Jeff will find a. They'll go down to clean the bedrooms and stuff down in the lower rooms and everything to get ready for guests to come. And out on the patio where Jeff's dad used to smoke cigarettes, they'll find like a pack of his cigarettes sitting there. And he's been 
he's been gone a while. Like where, you know, they'll just find like a pack of his old dirty cigarettes laying there. Or like, I'll, I'll go in and close all the doors in the saloon and the diner and shut everything down. Everybody goes to bed and you go back in the morning. All the doors are wide open and there's a half a co- uh, pot of coffee made. The grounds in the coffee pot are steaming, but the coffee's cold. Like nothing makes sense. Yo, that's like some Ghostbusters shit. shit from Dude, there Ghostbusters. was a, there was, <laughs> uh, last time I was up there, people are not going to believe this, but it's like last time I was up there, <clears throat> Jeff was like, so get a load of this. There was some people here the other day and we're standing here in, in this saloon at the bar and this old piece of paper just falls down out of the sky, like out of the air from the ceiling. Like it just falls down from the ceiling and lands on the floor and so they're like, what the hell? And they go over and pick it up. And it's like a page out of an old phone book with all these names, the letter H. It's like torn off in half. Letter H. And they're looking at it and everything. And so they're like, that's weird. Let's show it to Carl when Carl comes up here. So they set it aside, right? So then I go up there and take a look at it. And I pick it up. And the date right on the top is the exact same date. It's like, what is it? It was June June 25th. Or, or no, June 15th. It was just like... A week ago, I pick it up right at the top of the page of the phone book is June 15th. And that was the day that I'm there. And I'm like, Ugh. it's just weird stuff like that. That's bugged out, dude. Yeah. And we got to figure out, like, who are the names on this page from the phone book? And That's where wild. You from? said H, too. I mean, not that it has anything to do with it, but I was um, maybe. Well, immediately, I'm like, yeah. is Howard Hughes' name on here? Because there's rumors of Howard Hughes coming up there and. And being involved. So I'm like Howard looking Hughes. for Howard Hughes's name. <laughs> but it's torn off right before his name That's is in there. That's funny. Like, oh. oh, man. That's <laughs> wild. Um, one thing I did want to mention, then I have a question. Um, we're not probably going to get into Wilson Ranch like, probably too much because this may take up some time. But uh, I'll let you try to plug his, you know, some interesting things that you did at the end so people have an idea of what to go look for. Um, one thing I did want to say real quick, we were talking about the Springs before and it popped up in my head and I just wanted to say it before I forgot, you know, I, we were talking on the air prior and I think I mentioned something about that, you know, I have come across seeing that Utah was named after Puttah and Puttah is a God of Springs. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) we were talking kind of like, I mean, maybe it's a hotbed of Springs down there or something or it used to be, who knows, you know, very weird. There's so many weird similarities, even the, uh, like, Amaruka, there's, like, uh, indigenous names for America way before white people got here, and a lot of the regions are very similar. And it gets strange, too, because you have certain tribes and types and types of language and story that are similar, like Anasazi is very similar to Anunnaki, and the legends are very similar to their deities and things and so there's there's a lot of strange coincidences like that that uh are fascinating to me that a lot of people dismiss them and they they want to be like oh you're just talking like ancient aliens but to me they're i'm more curious and open-minded and i'm compelled by it and i go right to the source and want to hear what what they have to say and then i i go up and look for myself you know what i find when i go to the petroglyph sites is like if you were to look online in your local area, petroglyphs or pictographs near me, ancient art, cave art near me. Oh, I should check that out. And you look it up, you're going to see pictures of just like 
a carving of a goat and like a little stick figure of a guy. And it's going to say three mile hike, you know, medium or whatever. So subconsciously that's going to weed out like a majority of the people like, eh, there's nothing there. Right. Not even worth it. It's like a crappy hike through the desert and you're just going to see some goats carved on the rock. Big deal. But when you actually go and you look yourself, it's not just goats. I'm telling you, it's like they almost do that to hide what's there. And I don't blame it because people will love these places so much. They'll love them to death and they'll deface them and ruin them. They'll try to touch them and connect with them and they ruin them and rub them off and stuff. And so, you know, it's part of trying to keep them secret. But um, when you actually go and look yourself, and especially if you stay overnight and you meditate, play music, try to fathom what they were doing there, and you actually respect it like you're in someone else's home and territory with, you know, with dignity, like you're going to have experiences. You know, it, it will change you as a person if you go and explore these places and connect with them. It will. No, I, um, I yeah, I definitely believe that. Yeah. Uh, then I did have a question because uh, my boy Mario from Symbolic Studies, he does tarot and he has been covering a lot, like trying to make relationships with the you know the sky and the North Star and stuff like that. Um, would you did you happen to come across any um, I guess uh, any relationship with the native people, like talking about the Northern Sky, uh, the North Star, or some major or minor? Huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's in every culture goes back to focusing on the North star or what was like Polaris or Vega or whatever at the time period. And that's a whole part of like what we were talking about at Mount Wilson at Skinwalker ranch all around is a network of these stone circles that they would put on the ground um, like a stone hinge. And they would call them the, like a wheel of time. And when you look at them, it, it looks like, you put a circle with spokes coming off of it, almost like a wagon wheel. And what that represented was the, actually the Big Dipper moving in its rotation around the North Star. So the Big Dipper um, would, was the chariot of the gods. It, was, uh, it represented multiple symbols. It's hard, hard to describe. So on the one hand, when you look up at the Big Dipper, going around the North Star, it's like a, a, a chariot, like a horse-drawn chariot, and it's going around the vortex or the spiral of the navel of, of the universe or whatever up there. So they look up there and they see the chariot spiraling around. Now that's like a nice kind of like PG way of saying that it's it, the Big Dipper is really like a phallic symbol in ancient indigenous symbolism a lot of the time. So you've got the, the dipper is the, the wave of the handle of the dipper yeah. right, is the, the masculine Hence the and big it's dipper. circling around the divine feminine. Yeah. So you've got like yin and yang. Okay. Now this is where it can get complex. Okay. When you look at yin and yang, the symbol of the, the balance of the positive and negative that symbolizes the masculine and the feminine positive and negative and all that. But it's also like you're looking right up the middle through a DNA strand. And it's also the same thing as looking up at the North Star into the cosmos and the rotation of the stars around the North Star. So the indigenous people would build artif- uh, structures, 
buildings, stone temples, um, stone circles, and they would line the spokes up and do their rituals in conjunction with the rotation around the North Star. And if they went clockwise or counterclockwise and how fast they went or whether they walked with a staggered step like or did different dances and different types of music, it was like you were connecting, almost like tuning a radio. You could turn invisible or time travel or gain different abilities or communicate with your ancestors, communicate with aliens or the gods or whatever. And those ceremonies were almost like tuning a giant ham radio or a, you know, a radio signal to try and commune with other tribes and these other dimensions. And so it's, it's a big complex system, even over in Tibet, the Dalai Lama and, and their whole ceremonies and what they've been doing for thousands of years, the Kala Chakra mandala, there's a big mandala like the, like the Mayan calendar that they make out of sand and they, and they weave it into tapestries and it's a big wagon wheel and it has depictions of chariots going around the North star and it is all like supposed to be a glyph that symbolizes like when you die, how you go through the cosmos and the astral plane to get into heaven and stuff to get into Shambhala. And, uh, that's what they were doing. And they were doing it here in Utah, Nevada, New Mexico, in their own way, the same way they were doing it in China in Tibet and in Egypt at the pyramids and all over the place, how they were all doing the same things. I don't know. That's part of the whole mystery. Mm. That's awesome to me and why it's so cool. But, um, I think we've totally lost touch with all this stuff and we're so busy looking at our dumb phones and yeah, things. We no, have no huh? idea. I definitely yeah. agree with you on that. Uh, well, at least we do have some time left so we can get actually back into Wilson Ranch. I just did want to ask that for my boy Mario. He was asking in the bottom uh, in yeah. the chat. Um, so, yeah, with Milson, Wilson Ranch, uh, I don't even know where you want to start with that. I mean, I know you have had some pretty cool experience with seances. You found stuff there. I don't know what you want to talk about, but, I mean. Maybe I'll just give people a rundown if yeah. they have no idea. So There you go. Most people know about Skinwalker Ranch, that it was heavily studied by the NIDS team and Bass team, which was Bob Bigelow, Colm Kelleher, Colonel Alexander, Hal Putoff, uh, Jacques Vallée, uh, prominent members of the UFO community, and even official psychic spies, professional remote viewers for the military and the army that were at Skinwalker Ranch that helped start that place clear back then. And at the same time, most people didn't realize that they had a second location in Nevada called Mount Wilson Ranch. And Bigelow basically bought both properties within two weeks of each other. And then when he officially moved up to Skinwalker Ranch in Utah, they came out with press releases and sort of put all the attention there. And they sold Mount Wilson to my friend Jeff. Well, Jeff has been sitting on this whole mystery, like, well, what were they doing here? Why did Bigelow own this piece of property? Why did they go from here to Skinwalker Ranch and so on and so on? So they, he reached out to me on Instagram and asked me to come over and check it out. And that's kind of what I do. So I went over there and met him. And the place was amazing. Um, but as I got into it and started talking to him and the locals, I realized that Bigelow, 
Jacques Ballet, Hal Putoff, the whole NIDS team, they were at Mount Wilson Ranch for like a full decade. And they were doing light experiments and sound frequency experiments oh. in the meadow. They had a bulldozer stuck in the meadow trying to dig something out or bury something there. They, uh, um, the local phone company people have come and told us that at one point they were having all these power lines and stuff hooked up because they had these big freezer systems put in and they were hauling truckloads of stuff out of some hole in the mountain. There's all these weird stories. And then while Bigelow, well, I got to go before Bigelow, before that, there's evidence that there was the Rockefellers owned the place. Holy that shit. David Rockefeller owned it. Jeff has found an, a, what you would think it was a Masonic sword or like a Knight's Templar sword, but it's from the Knight's Pythias. It's like a Masonic type group. And Rock, Dave Rockefeller, he was a Knight's Pythias that he was coming out of the lodge in Nevada. And so it could be his sword or someone from his lodge was up at Mount Wilson. And those esoteric groups like that, they loved places that had magic to them, you know, <laughs> yeah. these indigenous locations where they go do their rituals and stuff. <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah, they're little occult ceremonies and stuff up in the mountains. And Mount Wilson was one of those spots. But back in the 1930s, the gold mining operations up there were going down into the mountain. And the story goes that right in the beginning of the, like the 1930s, they were tunneling under Mount Wilson and then they ran into something that scared them. So they ran into a chamber. They opened up a cavern. I've heard everything from there being a buried UFO under Mount Wilson Ranch to there just being like a whole cave system full of Spanish treasure down there and all kinds of stuff like, and, but th whatever it was, it scared these miners and they abandoned the mine. the mine, they closed it off and tried to hide it and they left. And then right after that, it's like the Ronald Reagan's MX missile program comes up there and that with a team of archeologists and they're exploring the mountain. And there's all these stories of paranormal encounters happening where ghosts are appearing and scaring the archaeologists at night and stuff. Um, and then wow. Bigelow's team shows up and they studied the place for like 10 years and then sold it to Jeff and they left. But every stone that we've uncovered about Mount Wilson Ranch has more and more direct connected evidence that they were doing real research at Mount Wilson ranch and almost skinwalker ranch was either like a cover or they were doing both at the same time or whatever, but they were fully convinced that there was something buried under Mount Wilson ranch, that it was transmitting a signal or something to where they had Jacques Ballet there, the ufologist, they had Hal Putoff and other remote viewers up there doing psychic spy stuff. Wow. All of those guys were up at Mount Wilson ranch. And we've had photos of them leaked to us from former members of the NIDS team that, you know, got fired by Bigelow or whatever. And so they took pictures out of the files and sent them to me <laughs> and stuff like that. But like, so we've got proof of all of it, you know, but every time we go up there and we look and we try to fact check it, we find more and more weird stuff. We've found that pulsing signal coming out of the meadow. Something keeps jamming and crashing our drones and draining our batteries. When the History Channel was there, 
they straight up films red eyes moving around in the trees and like an orb of light that still hasn't come out yet. That's going to come out in like a week or so in a bonus episode where they had a whole, like they filmed like these weird eyes moving around in the trees, following them around like a whole paranormal thing. But, uh, all kinds of stories like that. There's been an animal mutilation down in the meadow, like a whole gut pile just laying there. Uh, all kinds of weird stuff. That's why. But uh, yeah, we've been trying to piece it together and figure out what's underground. How can we get underground? Uh, the history channel came up there and filmed the whole episode called, uh, beyond skinwalker ranch where, yeah, we tried to, we actually used dynamite and tried to open up one of the cave entrances to see if we could get in. And, uh, but a blizzard moved in and we got snowed out, had to quit. And, uh, yeah, it was wild. Is, it, is, is snow too. normal? I was going to say, is that like, no. even? I was like, what the? it got worse and worse and worse. The closer we got to setting off the bombs, it was like, it was so bad that we, yeah, we set them off and went and like, by the time we even got up to start looking in the holes, they were already filling in with snow. So we were like, okay, <laughs> got to come back in the spring. But, and there's plans to do all that. Yep. We're still so you know back up there t- a few times already, but. You know, it's weird. And like, not, not to just like, I know this may take it like really out there, but like, you know, you could, there could just be some sort of chemical change that just produced that snow. <laughs> like, I mean, how do you know you didn't do something? I know that oh, sounds crazy, but I'm just saying. It's like I mean, the most snow that they've had up there in probably 10 years. And like the whole place filled up like the, there's this, an upper and a lower lake and Craw Creek. There's a whole apple weird. orchard down at the bottom of the meadow. And all of that was pretty much dried out all last year. And this year, I mean, I went out on a paddle boat on the lake and we were, I mean, it's all, they're all full of water. Everything is blossomed. The apple orchard came back to life and is going to have apples for the first time in a decade. Like the whole place came alive, but that blizzard was like, no joke. Like in all my behind the scenes footage on my uh, YouTube channel, uh, half of it is just us trying to, get unstuck from the snow and trying not to slide off the road and just dealing with the weather. It was crazy. Wow. Yo, that's some bizarre shit. Damn. You know, that, that um, sword that you mentioned too, uh, I think for people, if you go check out his stuff, was that the same sword that I think he said he like ran over with like his thing, right? Yeah. yeah he it. was right. Him and his uh, girl, they were riding a, uh, uh, quad, an ATV, mm-hmm. um, back in kind of this like sand pit area. And just riding on the trail and ran over and they heard it like click, click, like this metal sound or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And so he just stopped and turned around and there's just like a sword sticking out of the dirt laying on the ground. Uh, That's wild. Like this ceremonial sword that has all these like European looking helmets. and. Oh, like, yeah. People could you definitely showed it like you can definitely see it. So, yeah, I've done uh, we've done a bunch of research on it. Yeah, we totally know. Uh, where it came from, there was a lodge, a Knights Pythias lodge nearby uh, that would have oh. maybe correlated. But there should be a name actually written on the sword. And we have an archaeologist now. But, you know, some of this stuff, we filmed our one episode for the History Channel for Beyond Skinwalker. And now we're in negotiations and talking, working on putting everything together because at Mount Wilson Ranch, there's, in my opinion, more going on there than at 
Curse of Oak Island and Skinwalker Ranch and Blind Frog and all those places combined. To me, when I went to Mount Wilson Ranch, it's been nonstop when I, I mean, just discoveries from ancient artifacts to cave entrances, abandoned mines, to having encounters with paranormal things nonstop up there. And it's a huge place. And we already filmed one episode there for the History Channel and it blew their minds. They could have you know, done an entire season. And I think they all realized that. And that has been the ongoing conversation now. It's like, we're probably going to end up getting our own show on the history channel or other big network, just focused on it. But what's cool about Mount Wilson that's different than Skinwalker Ranch is that Jeff as the owner, he's there and it's set up with motel rooms and hotel rooms, a whole saloon and dining room and all of that because of Bigelow and the archaeologists and Howard Hughes and all those guys up there. It's like all set up. And we've had big conversations about this where we don't want to close it down. We're not going to put guards at the gate. We're not going to have people there with security telling you to leave. We actually created a Patreon page where you can go to the Mount Wilson Ranch Patreon and for like $40, you can get a day pass. So you can pull up to the gate, get on Patreon, and for $40, you can go in and check out the saloon, go walk out in the meadow, check out the whole place. Yeah, and for, yeah. for like 150 bucks, you can get a room for the night. It's like a no-brainer. And yeah, then, I told uh, you. I was thinking, I like, and I'm actually being legit. Like, I may actually come down there with my equipment and film this place. Yeah. So I was I like, mean, yo, you- I may really fucking come down there. That's you why when you were talking about the drone getting fucked up, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to use one. No. <laughs> you might have luck, you know. I, both times I've tried to fly my drone, it crashed. Well, I, th- I think they, we from the same company. I'm pretty. You have a Maverick, right, or something like uh, that. I think yeah, I, I think they're the both DJIs, yeah. right? Yeah. So I mean, the GPS yeah. is probably the same. We're probably fucked. <laughs> you might be okay. I've had some good luck. You just got to think it through. If it starts to give you trouble, don't fight it. Yeah, just bring it back. I, when I'm like, oh, it'll be all right. That's usually when I'm wrong. <laughs> it's not all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's, yeah. that's, you got, yeah, there was definitely a lot of uh, really interesting, wild stuff over there. I mean, I had to have been to even get the History Channel entry. To yeah, it's, it's a little bit harder sometimes for me and Jeff to be there to actually kind of give you a, like a whole experience and take you places personally and, and be up there. So they would have to like provide a room for me to go and it has to be, worth my time to drive over and everything, but there is options on there on the Patreon now too, to uh, have me come for like a two night stay and get the whole thing where you go to the shaman cave, go to the abandoned mines, do meditations down in the meadow. And then I come and do it. And all of it goes right back into the research, right back into basically. Oh, no, your equipment is expensive as shit, dude. Yeah, Jeff's I mean, not, not has trying to, to like, pump yeah. the septic tank and keep the lights on in the saloon and, and all that and clean the rooms when people leave. So it all just goes right back into that to keep the doors open. Yeah, no, I believe me. I, I, I was asking you suggestions for equipment, and I did buy some, and that got fucking expensive after a while. It does. It adds up. You know, that's why I created that whole inner circle. People can, you know, yeah. donate to and support the research because it gets expensive just driving over there and back you find yourself pulling out your credit card because you're like, man, there's somebody just, tra- they just saw a traveling. UFO. Yeah. They saw a UFO go into the mountain. How do I not go over there? You know, and so <laughs> off you go. 
There was yeah. some wild stuff, uh, not to bring it up again, I think I might have had you talk about it on the last show, but you know, there's probably new listeners now and people on the live. That was some of the most impressive, weirdest shit I thought you had, which I thought, was, I think I could be wrong, was still around in the Skinwalker Ranch-ish area. You had like stuff where it looked like shit just dripping down fucking mountains, dude. Oh, yeah. That's that was bizarre. Of, that's in southern Utah. That's a place I nicknamed that the Magic Mesa. And that, I nicknamed that's right. It that. Yes, that's right. Magic Mesa. I nicknamed it that. It has a real name, but there, there is like a hiking trail nearby. And if people knew where to go, um, there's so many artifacts. There's pottery, arrowheads. There's a stone circle and petroglyphs there that I'm afraid will get completely stolen and destroyed people walking around. I mean, there's areas there where you can't even hardly walk without stepping on something. That's I you saying that, you know. I think, on your show. <laughs> and it is very strange. Now, a lot of the weird lights on the mountain that were tricking our night vision, we figured out was coming from a road from headlights that were shining from like three miles away down this weird reflection. But we've done a lot of other analysis, and there's a lot of strange stuff where there's balls of light coming up out of the rocks and behind the rocks on the ground and other phenomena to where when I came out with my video and I said, Oh, this is just like headlights from a car from this road. I think we figured out what's going on here. These paranormal lights with like triangles and squares and weird stuff would appear on the side of this mountain and like, or the side of a Mesa. And uh, we were trying to figure out what it was because very strange and like shadow figures and things moving across. And we did figure out that a lot of it was the headlights. But as soon as I came out with a video, like debunking all that, I had people emailing me. I mean, doctors, people, scientists, uh, people messaging me that I didn't even know watched my videos. Uh, somebody from Sandia labs that works in the, quantum entanglement and science department emails me. I've got all this stuff coming <laughs> like, out. Yo, I don't like, want to talk to you. Saying, I'm nervous. <laughs> and they're correcting me, telling me those are not just headlights and that not, and that the headlights are just creating an, an optical layer that reveals more to it. And then they, you know, I've had other people do analysis on the footage too. And there's weird stuff in the lights. There's, there's like, figures and faces that match the petroglyphs that appear within the forms of the lights on the hillside. And some of the, I'm going to say some of the faces and the characters that show up come back more than once. So like you can go and look at different segments of the lights appearing on the hillside. And there's like faces of particular characters that, that are there doing different stuff. Like, I don't know how oh. else to describe it. The same, but it's, it's the same face just doing a different thing. Yeah, it's almost That's like wow. seeing uh, entities looking up, pressed yeah. up against the glass on another dimension, and you just get a glimpse of it through the, the way the light shines oh, off the mountain. It's oh, bizarre. Dude. I, yeah. I don't know how to describe it. I did one whole video where I tried to explain it, and it went right over everybody's heads, but uh, it's weird. Yeah, no, I thought that was like some really weird stuff that you showed on your show. That was some wild stuff. All right, you know, I think um, I think we'll just wrap it up here too, if you don't mind, Carl. I think that was uh, 
think yeah, we said it. Yeah, 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 yeah. We didn't get so much into Wilson Ranch, but I will say I was totally happy with the way the show went. I couldn't have asked for anything better. You know, I thought the whole conversation was relevant and all great talk. So, yeah, I think if people are interested and want to know more about about Wilson, if they go over to my YouTube, I've got hours and hours of documentary content there. We've got the Inner Circle Clubs on our Patreon for Carl Crusher and Mount Wilson. And uh, we're on Instagram and all over the place. So just go follow all over and you can get up to speed. And then go definitely watch the episode on History Channel of Beyond Skinwalker Ranch, episode two at Mount Wilson Ranch. And you'll get an idea of a lot more. Plus, the more people that watch that, the odds of us getting a Coming whole back. show go way up. Because then we get way better equipment, way better research and funding. And then you can actually come and stay there, see it for yourself, experience it, maybe even meet me, try to do it totally different than anybody else has ever done rather than being afraid of it all. Uh, try to keep it where you can come and do it yourself. That's one of the reasons why I want to go up there too is because I'm like, I know Carl like isn't afraid. Like I know that sounds cheesy. You got to sign away. <laughs> but like, you can't make any promises. You might have something happen. I no, can, but it's I, like I, you I seem you, very fearless when it comes to this stuff. And I appreciate that. You're like, I'm just going to document and do science, man. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just have to look at it like that. Non-biased and just there to research. There's, there's a lot of moments where like – I'm down in a cave or a hole or we're not sure what we're looking at. And in the back of my mind, I'm just like, just keep your camera going. <laughs> keep just, keep your cam just keep it going. You know, I just get it on camera. More worried about your battery power than you're going to lose your life. <laughs> I've blown it a few times where I've, you know, I've, I've had some crazy experiences and seen things and left my camera in the car. And that, those moments have haunted me. I don't ever oh. want to do that again. I, I kick myself so hard for the rest of my life. I didn't get that stuff on camera. Like yeah, I'm straight sure. up Bigfoot encounters, you know, like at night in the mountain, what you would call a, like yeah. a Bigfoot encounter, just a big shadow thing come up through the trees. And my, yeah, my camera's in the damn car, you know, instead of with me. Yeah. So stuff like that you learn from quick, you know. But definitely, uh, for the listeners, definitely go check out his stuff. He has amazing work. I mean, he's all, like, boots on the ground. He's getting in there. He's filming the stuff. He's got all his, you know, toys, his meters, and all that stuff. My opinion, it's very well-documented research, you know. And uh, I have to say he has inspired me to try to start doing my own way of Carl the Crusher, I guess, you know. I've got some toys, and I want to go out, and I want to actually start researching, you know, architecture and stuff that is out in the, you know, in our faces, you know, out in cities, you know. Why is it always the same fucking architecture? You yeah. know, <laughs> I want to start going out there, seeing the similarities, getting my meters on things. Maybe, some, you know, maybe nothing will happen. But the interesting esoteric architect yes, architecture of like some of the, the old cathedrals and some of the old yes. early Masonic lodges. You yeah. almost wonder if they were onto that same understanding of the indigenous people with the electromagnetic field. That's and what harnessing. I think it is. That's what I think yeah. it is. So, yeah. yeah, so uh, I, cool. I'm not out in Utah and out in the desert. I'm out in the concrete jungle for now. So I will try to do my best, uh, hopefully over the summer, try to hit the streets and do some, uh, do some researching. Uh, but so, so thank you, Carl. You've helped me, I guess, see, see what you do, help me grow in my own 
my own story and my own, you know, path. So I, I, I highly, it. highly uh, appreciate seeing you do this stuff, man. And I think you have a lot to bring to the table. So everybody, go check out his show now and go hit that sub button on Call the Crushes YouTube channel. Uh, again, Carl, thank you for coming on. It is always, it is always a great, great conversation and just you're a very open-minded individual. You know, and I think that is something that is very much needed when doing this stuff. So it's just yeah. always a good conversation because it's so you're always kind of like it might be this, but I don't know. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm just like you, you know, like I'm just same thing. I just you put yourself in the middle. I just got sick of hearing what other people tell me. Yes, you know, I got I got tired of the story I was fed my whole upbringing from at church, and then you see what's on TV. I'm gonna go see it for myself. Yeah, the CIA comes out, the Pentagon makes all these announcements, and we're like, oh, they're going to disclose. And I'm like, I'm not waiting for anybody. I don't think if there's aliens or other dimensional entities or spiritual contact to be made of some kind, uh, waiting waiting for the government to tell you is going to be house. And I don't think that aliens or other dimensional higher beings are waiting for Biden to give him the go-ahead, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's preposterous to me. You can come I'm down now, guys. More, I'm way more about going out to the stone circle and, I mean, don't touch him or go in there, but use your mind and connect with the old way, and you're going to get there 100% quicker, even this weekend coming up, if you go out, take your shoes and socks stuff and, and sit there and look up at the stars and reconnect, Put, leave your phone away, Keep a camera, maybe night vision, right? <laughs> night be prepared. <laughs> Don't get bit by snakes and be smart, all that stuff, right? But I'm just saying you're not going to get the answers from out there. If anything of the story of all these ancient artifacts that wants to come through at the end of this whole show, it's that the message of like the Pueblo and the Hopi was that all these artifacts and locations was to find and lead you to the center place. And the center place for them was physically like at Chaco Canyon, but it was also a journey to the, like the center of your soul, a connection with you and that North star and the cosmos and the whole fabric of the universe and knowing who you are and the fabric of all that at, uh, at the core. And you're not going to get that sitting around waiting for the Pentagon to tell you you're not, it isn't going to come to you that way. Uh, you got to just go out and, and experience it. Very well said, Colin. I couldn't have. We'll just leave it there. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you for everybody who jumped in on the chat. Everybody, uh, you know, commenting and stuff. I appreciate it. That is why I go live. And until the next one, everybody, be well. Later. <laughs>